God's grace and mercy and peace be yours today from God our Father and our Lord and Savior and Emmanuel, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please have a seat. So we're in week two of um, our three-part, kind of four-part series uh, because last week we talked about Christmas past, today's Christmas present, Christmas future is next week. The week after that, December 21st, we have our annual Connect Christmas celebration with with the Christmas choir and the wind ensemble and and the Girls of Grace. Um, For that service, we are going to um, have three members of our congregation share stories uh, from their life about how God has has been doing exactly what uh, we've been talking about, how God has wiped away uh, sins and regrets from the past, how God is, is with them in the middle of what they're going through right now, and how uh, God has, has promised a future that brings hope. So today uh, we're talking about Christmas present, and uh, we already got in the children's message the, the whole idea that Jesus is the best Christmas present that, that we could ever receive. Um, you might have you know, thought, as you saw this big present up here, you might have gotten pretty excited about that, thinking about the gifts that you'll be opening in two and a half weeks. Um, you might have been terrified because the gifts are going to be opened in two and a half weeks, and uh, that means that I better get to, to my shopping. But, uh, of, of course, Jesus is the greatest present we could ever receive. That's why we, we give gifts to one another. Uh, Jesus is present with us, and that's really what, what this message is all about, that, uh, that Christ came to be present with us, that he was born into the world to do that, and, and that that actually has something uh, to do with how we live and interact with the people around us. So this, this really is ultimately where Isaiah is pointing in, in verse 1 of the reading that Mrs. Mueller shared with us, uh, where he writes, Comfort, comfort my people says your God. And then God himself follows through and does just that, comforting his people by coming to his people, announcing in verse 10, the Lord Yahweh comes with might. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. The picture that Isaiah gives us is of our Lord as a shepherd who reaches down and picks us up and holds us and embraces us and protects us. You know, being up uh, in the middle of the night with my son, um, which happens a little more often than I think uh, we would like, and uh, happened again a little bit last night, has reminded me uh, constantly that the God who never sleeps is always watching over me, holding me and uh, rocking me to sleep when my soul is restless. I also just want to insert here, I had someone after the, the service last night say, Pastor, you're getting me in trouble because my wife's the one that usually gets up. And uh, Emily usually gets up uh, when I have not even heard him. She, you, I think you may have already heard this from one of my sermons, but she is deaf in one of her ears. She sleeps uh, farther away from Ethan's bedroom than I do, and she hears him when I don't. Uh, it, it truly is something that uh, is true of mothers. But this idea of, of God as our shepherd that, that picks us up and holds us and, and protects us, this 
is how Isaiah wants us to picture God and how he cares for us. It's great, great news. But it's not the only thing that Isaiah has to say. A few verses before this, we heard these words. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades. Now what a downer. Isn't that ugly? This is, uh, this is not a very exciting thing to hear, is it? The people are like grass. And, uh, you know, this chapter had started out so beautifully with such great news. But with this, Isaiah seems to be offering up a, a mixed message. Because what comfort can possibly be had by dying blades of withering grass? Well, Isaiah was writing to the nation of Judah who were in exile in Babylon. And that was exactly the question they were asking. They had been torn away from their homes, their families had been ripped apart, and the world as they knew it had been completely destroyed and changed forever. They didn't even need to be told that they were withering away like grass because they had felt it, they had experienced it, they, they were living it. We felt that too, haven't we? The loss of a job, the loss of a loved one, sickness, cancer, Personal failure, interpersonal conflict, frustrations with those around us, frustrations with ourselves, heartbreak, loneliness. We need someone to come to us, someone to bring living water to this dead grass, to bring comfort and to be present with us. Earlier in his book, Isaiah had prophesied about one who would do just that. Now these words might be familiar to you. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name, what? Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Matthew's gospel tells us that this prophecy was fulfilled at the birth of Jesus. Because Jesus came for you to be God with you. Jesus was born to be present with you today, right now, in the midst of all of your hurt, in the midst of your sorrows, in your family life, in your physical and spiritual struggles. He is with you. Don't think for a moment that he's not. Don't believe for one second that, that he just doesn't quite understand what you're going through. He doesn't know what you're feeling. As we read in Hebrews, Jesus is our high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses in every possible way because he himself became weak in order to make us strong. He knows our pain because he has shared in it. He knows our sorrows because he has wept right alongside us. Jesus was tempted in every way but was entirely without sin. That is, until he took all of our sins upon himself in his human body that was tattered and torn on the cross for us. Jesus even joined himself to his people by dying like they die. But then he rose and he conquered death for us forever to give us an undying hope that sustains us here and now because he has promised that he is with us always to the very end of the age. Now, I'm cheating ahead a little bit today, reading uh, Luke chapter 2, the announcement of the angels to the shepherds, traditionally a, a Christmas reading, not an Advent reading. But I did that because 
The message of the angels to the shepherds on that cold Bethlehem night is also a message for you today. Jesus is here with you and for you. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Jesus as Emmanuel equals God with us. This has implications for who we are as the church as well, the chosen people of God. We are appointed to what, what some have called the ministry of presence, to be present with people just as Christ was and is present with us, to be present with people because Christ was and is present with us. Now in our daily lives, this can take all sorts of forms, like uh, turning off your cell phone every once in a while and actually looking up at the people that God has, has put in your life. But it goes so far beyond that. It means getting down into the pit with somebody, empathizing with them, showing them that they are not alone. Many of you here today are, are Stephen ministers, and, and you do that very intentionally and very well, ministering to people one-on-one -on -one by being for them, being there for them to, to care for them and, and to listen. But in fact, we are all called, just as Isaiah was called, to speak comfort into the lives of people. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Do you hear him? A good friend of mine from seminary has reminded me recently what this looks like. Uh, by now, I'm, I'm sure you've all heard of, of all of the turmoil and, and the violence and the destruction in Ferguson, Missouri, which was ramped up just last week. We have a video here that, that talks a little bit about that. News. Officer Darren Wilson will not be indicted in the shooting death of Michael Brown. Now, the St. Louis County prosecutor made the highly anticipated announcement last night, and shortly after the announcement, fires broke out across Ferguson with protesters setting a dozen businesses ablaze. A little Caesars, an AutoZone, an O'Reilly Auto Parts store, all among the businesses that burned. I was watching videos to try to find one that kind of encapsulated what was going on, and I thought that one did it pretty well. But in one of the other ones, a reporter said, uh, Ferguson looks like a tornado has ripped through the entire town, and then something came behind it and set everything on fire. My friend Mark lives in North County, St. Louis, right next door to Ferguson. And uh, just this past week, uh, the day after the fires and all of that actually, um, he and a few other LCMS pastors and a vicar went down to the epicenter of the conflict to show that in the midst of, of the violence and, and the burning buildings and the angry protest and the broken hearts, Christ was there. They went not to take sides, but, but to listen and, and to pray and to share the hope that is only found in Jesus Christ with anyone who would hear it. I was able to talk with Mark the other night about uh, that experience, and I think we all can learn quite a bit from, uh, from what he and his fellow pastors did that day and in the days since. Um, they actually have a, a project started up now to help those who, whose businesses were destroyed and, and to offer outreach uh, to the community of Ferguson. But as Mark was telling me uh, what it was like that day, the first thing that, that really struck me was uh, he said, we didn't go down there with, with some grand plan. He said, we, we just felt that we had to be there. We had to bring Christ to people. 
And it got me thinking, you know, sometimes I, I think you and I are under the, the mistaken impression that we have to have all the details in place before we, we can bring up Jesus or, or represent him. That we have to have some grand plan in place before we can bring the presence of Christ to our coworkers or, or our family members or our friends. But this mindset easily becomes an excuse for us not to bring up Christ at all. And it also tends to forget that the grand plan is not ours to formulate. It's God's. The mission is in his hands, and there's no better place for it. But of course, this doesn't mean that everybody's going to welcome us with open arms. When those pastors first arrived that day, they were met with fierce anger and derision, and the protesters started yelling at them and shouting things like, Go home. We don't want you here. What do the clergy think they're doing here? You're just here to make money off of us. You don't live here. You don't know what it's like. The truth is, when we bring the presence of Christ into desperate places, we are likely to meet with resistance or rejection. But we must stand in there for the sake of Christ and for the sake of our fellow human beings for whom Jesus shed his blood. We must be willing to suffer for Christ, for our brothers and our sisters, even for our enemies. The amazing thing was, as these pastors stood in there that day in Ferguson, people began to recognize the love of Christ that was in their hearts. And the light of Jesus began to dispel the darkness. People began to open up to them and, and to share their frustrations and their fears and after Mark and the other pastors had been there for a while, some new protesters came along and started heaping insults on them. And one of the, the protesters who had been doing that before said, No, no, stop. Look at their eyes. They're genuine. When you look at their eyes, you see that they are hurting with us. If we are genuine, if we are willing to hurt with people and not just to offer lip service to their struggles, we will be in a position to offer them the healing that only Jesus can bring. This is how we speak comfort. Comfort to the people. We might not all be called to, to go speak to protesters or rioters or, or to walk right into the middle of smoking ruins and interracial tension, but we are all called to this world. And it has long been set aflame with sin and pain and rage against God and his anointed one. But Christ is still the Prince of Peace. And he has made us his blessed peacemakers, the sons and daughters of God called to extend his family. You know, with Emily and I being so far away from our family in Oregon and, and Ethan being far away from his grandparents, some of you here today have, have made us a part of your family, have invited us over for holidays and special occasions, and I can't tell you how much that means to us. We are all called, we all need to do that for those who are not yet members of the family of faith. As my friend Mark said in the reporter article about his ministry that day, we are called to work together, to form relationships with people so you get a better sense of what their everyday life is. And then you're actually able to provide human physical relief. After all, this is exactly what Jesus did. And our mission is his mission. As another pastor there that day said, everyone needs Jesus and we're here to give him to them, both body 
and soul. This won't be easy. We will experience rejection and people misunderstanding our intentions and calling us all sorts of names, but we don't have a choice. This is who we are as the people of Emmanuel. Another one of the pastors there that day in Ferguson was Pastor Stephen Shave, director of LCMS Urban and Inner City Mission, and he said this, The ministry of presence is important to bring Christ where there is unrest, division, and lack of hope. Now, he was talking about Ferguson, of course, but it sounds an awful lot like our world as a whole, doesn't it? He continued, We can't, we can't be on the sidelines, even if it is gritty and challenging, an immediate response is needed. As you and I live out this ministry of presence, we as the church equals Christ with the world. You know, one of the ways that, that we can, this Advent season, help to respond to, to the unrest and the lack of hope in so many lives is through that uh, Winter is on My Head project that we've been talking about. Uh, so I, I encourage you to take part in that if you can. Um, all that money will go to the Saginaw Rescue Mission and, and help people who feel they are alone and, uh, and offer them a little bit of, of Christ's presence. In the end, our ministry of presence, every single bit of it, is made possible in the first place because of the ministry of presence that Christ enacted through his incarnation and his life among us. You see, in, in Christ's ministry of presence, there was a grand plan. My friend Mark had been told by, by the protesters there, you don't live here, you don't know what it's like. And, and he was able to say to them that, that he actually does know what it's like because he lives right there in the middle of everything happening, that, that the National Guard is still protecting the grocery store where his family shops every week. And so the protesters began to see that Mark was someone who could begin to understand their predicament. In God's grand plan, Jesus came to live with us. He knows what it's like. John says that he pitched his tent right in the middle of us, taking up residence in our human neighborhood so that he would know exactly what it's like to be frail and weak and afraid. And like the pastors that day in Ferguson, Jesus faced initial rejection. He was born in a stable, wrapped in dirty rags and laid in, in a feeding trough. But unlike those pastors, for Jesus' initial rejection culminated in ultimate rejection, ending in his death at the hands of an uneasy alliance between the religious and political authorities of the day. As Jesus hung on the cross, most people looked at him and saw an insurrectionist, a, a failed revolutionary, a blasphemer, maybe even a, a promoter of division. But for some among whom we gathered here today number ourselves, something else was recognized in that humble carpenter from Nazareth. Because if you can silence the inborn rage and discontent of the human heart for but a moment and look closely, you will see that, that Jesus is genuine. As he hangs there on the cross, look at his eyes. He is hurting with us. He is hurting and dying for us. And he is present with us now as we look forward to Christmas and our celebration of his coming to us that night in Bethlehem. 
He is with us in the midst of, of darkness. And there we go. I was hoping if I said something like that, it would work. He is with us in the midst of everything because he was born in this world. He, he lived here with us. He, he died. He rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven. And, and though he is with us even now, the, the day will soon arrive when he will come again. He will set this world right with his perfect justice and peace. And we will forever be with him in glory. So make sure you come uh, next week for next week's message where, where we will reflect more on, on the Christmas future that Jesus' birth among us has secured. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Jesus is here. He is present this Christmas and every day. So go out there and show and tell the world. In Jesus' name, amen.